When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the Lakers Fast Break Podcast, part of the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Check out all their awesome basketball shows today at hoopheadspod.com. for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Lakers Fast Break, the hoopheadspod.com because that's a great place to go for the Hoopheads Podcast Network. And of course, our great friends at Lakerholics.com. It is sincerely appreciated. Woo! Somebody is fighting mad today. But I'll tell you what, a great showing indeed by the Lakers when they kept their focus and poise. Phoenix, I'm trying to get them all riled up. It was to no avail. As in the fourth quarter, the Lakers did hold off a solid run by the Phoenix Suns, and they get their first victory in the Staples Center in the playoffs, I think since 2012, from what I hear. 13. 2013. Man, that's a long time. But more importantly, it's the first victory in the Staples Center for a Los Angeles team this playoffs because (laughs) the other team couldn't do it. But it is a victory for the Lakers, and that is 109-95. to 95. And here today to talk about the game, and AD, excellent game. You know, we got to go over what he did in the game. He did a tremendous, tremendous job taking command with 34 points, 11 rebounds. LeBron James, having his own personal duel with Jay Crowder, came out on top with 21 points and 9 assists, although a lot of turnovers, 7 turnovers, that's not good. Andre Drummond chipped in with six points and 11 rebounds. And actually, the Lakers were at their best, much to Laker Tom's kind of dismay at times, but they were at their best with Andre Drummond in the lineup at periods of time. Yes, they were, Tom. Yes, they were. They got to the largest lead at times with him in the lineup. So I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. But Dennis Schroeder came in with a solid 20 points with him flying all around the place courtesy of Devin Booker and being tossed around like a ragdoll between him and Jay Crowder, but he chipped in with a nice 20. And pretty much like I said, the Lakers held serve excellent defense on Devin Booker today. You couldn't ask for anything better than that. Chris Paul clearly looks like he's hurt. Limited time, only seven points. DeAndre Aiden, they still haven't found a way to stop him yet. But again, the Lakers are doing good on everybody else. 
Cameron Payne and DeAndre Ayton is not going to be enough. But here today to talk about the game. And hello, everybody watching out there. V Garcia. V Garcia loves you, Laker Tom. He's your guy. But I'll tell you what, he is here. Well, my hats, I'm going to put them on, on a little bit of a rest siesta for a little while for today. I'll wear it again on Saturday. But here today to talk about the game is a good man indeed. He's the mastermind of Lakerholics.com. It is Laker Tom. And Laker Tom, we got to be satisfied with the Lakers win. Again, a lack of focus, which had the lead as high as 22, or 21, excuse me, 21, and got it all the way down to eight because of a lack of focus because they tried to go ahead and start doing a little bit too, uh, celebrating a little bit too early. But the way the bench was reacting, these were the type of things I saw in the Lakers championship run last year. Well, I think the real star of the game, uh, obviously, were our superstars. AD came out with another terrific game, going to the line, attacking inside. Uh, he he made so many great plays offensively. It was it was a marvel to see. Um, and uh, LeBron James, you know, I mean, if you could have just seen the quote from Charles at the halftime where he's saying, you know, I, LeBron's hurt. I, there's something wrong with the guy. He's not attacking the basket or anything. And what did he I do was today? Yelling, obviously, I was yelling, obviously, wait till the second half, Charles. And LeBron came off from the tip-off of the second half. Three straight quick baskets. He must have been watching. Attack over and over and over. Never settled at all in that game. I mean, we saw him out there on the on the the, the right-hand wing there with, uh, with uh, Crowder on him. And that's the place where you always see LeBron dribble five or six times and then take a step back three. Today, he dribbled three or four times and then spin around the guy and drive to the rim. Um, so it was a great game. Um, I thought that uh, I did think that Drummond played a good game. He had a he had a, a good block. He played well. But the real turnaround of the game was in the fourth quarter when our big lead had dripped down to eight points. They had a, had a big run. We built it up to twenty one. They got a nine zero run. Uh, then they actually got it down to eight points, and uh, Bogle went to ADF center, and we scored ten. Oh, no, that was three. Drummond was already out of the game. Drummond was already out of the game, uh, well out of the game. He, by he that took point. he took he took Gasol out of the game. Yeah, Gasol. At that's that a different time, story. he replaced Gasol out of the game yeah. with Caruso, and the Lakers went with AD at the five. And it, that's it when worked they built the lead it back up. They built the lead back up to twenty at that point. Well, I'm going to say it worked initially with Gasol coming in for Drummond because he hit a three pointer, oh, yeah. and also and they had that back to back three pointers with him, Wes oh, Matthews. It started to work a little bit, but then well, no, Gasol had, Gasol had a poor game really for the Lakers. He was the biggest plus. He was the biggest negative plus plus minus. Now, I know, I know. Again, let me finish. I said after that short little burst in the three pointers that got them up, he went. They went ahead and unfortunately slid down from there. You know, and I and I, I you know, listen. This is the NBA. You got a guy, uh, Cameron Payne. Talk about a guy who was out of the league last year. And, and coming back like that, you know, he's, a good, he's a good player. Three straight threes sort of resurrected the, the uh, Suns from their deathbed. Um, and the Lakers did a good job of taking control of the game. I think the big disappointment that I had in the game was the little cheap shot and unsportsmanlike conduct by uh, Booker at the end of the game. I thought was very – I've never seen him do that before, so I'm going to excuse him. on it. lost but, their composure. They lost their composure, and and uh, you know there there were numerous other sort of cheap shots taken during the game. So it was a satisfying win, and 
from the Lakers standpoint, as far as I was concerned, um, LeBron schooled uh, them on attacking the rim. We out-rebounded them by 16. We scored 20 more points in the paint, um, nine more on the free throw line. Um, so it was just a dominant performance by the Lakers, establishing 73% of the time the team that wins the third game when it's tied 1-1 goes on to win the series. Well, I think the Lakers are going to win this series in five. Well, definitely it's a good sign for the Lakers. They were dominant at times, and it was great to see. Phoenix, you can clearly see they lost their composure. You saw at times, I think it's the left shoulder of Chris Paul that was really hurt at dangling at some point in time during the game. He was really trying to go ahead and nurse that through, and you see he could not even stay on the court. AD took a shot. I hope his nose isn't broken because uh, he took a shot early on from DeAndre Ayton after a basket made by DeAndre Ayton. I, I'm hoping that's not the case. I know that KCP, unfortunately, I think in the third quarter, if I remember correctly, he um, had to leave the game with uh, what was being described as a quad contusion and it was questionable if to come back. So it doesn't seem like it was anything really super bad, but he might be still held out for on Saturday for precautionary purposes. But we'll wait and see on that. Uh, Schroeder, he, he, you know, not he hurt his ankle earlier in the game. He was tossed around like a rag doll later in the game. I mean, it was a rough game, very physical. That's what you like to see. And Phoenix was trying to match up with that. Jake Crowder very intently was trying to guard LeBron. But as you can see, LeBron was enjoying it. LeBron was having fun. You could start him seeing walk that walk. But then that took the game out of focus, I think, for the Lakers. They got, you know, they just could not keep that rhythm that they once had to build that lead. So, you know, when you play that game, sometimes you get burnt. But fortunately, the Lakers were able to bounce back. And in that last minute, Phoenix just lost all composure. And that built the lead back up out of sight. But here today as well for talking about today's game and also as well what's going to happen on Saturday He's a good man indeed. You got to check out what he's doing at Lakerholics.com. It is the Magic Man, our resident NBA historian and guy who could probably have told you right off the top of his head that the last time the Lakers won at the Staples Center in a playoff game was 2013 and could also tell you that this is the first victory for an L.A. team in the Staples Center this year. Sean Grice, a.k.a. Magic Man. And Sean... One win and three tries for L.A. teams at the Staples Center is not that bad when it's the one by the Lakers. Absolutely, Jerry. It's a purple and gold victory. You could tell points in the playoffs for wins. They just count as a win or a loss. So I felt the game was choppy. It seemed like the Lakers and Spurs were playing like 2004. I, I mean, I was looking up at halftime ticket. This is 43-40 in 2021. But then I remembered there are two top 10 defense playing against one another, and they're going to make adjustments. And for the hat, Monty. I mean, it looked like that bottleneck defense that uh, he was running in that quarter after AD dominated the first really stifled us. He he had one or two guys ready in those scenes just in case LeBron or AD wanted to turn the corner. And, you know, had like Tom said, hats off to LeBron, AD, and Frank. They adjusted at halftime. Okay, you're going to bottleneck us? We'll figure it out. We'll break it up and you'll fall into a million little pieces. And that's kind of what happened. This is Raphael from NBA Draft Junkies.com. 
and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Hey, hoop heads. We all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. When the Lakers have that aggression, they are substantially a better team than the Phoenix Suns. I mean, the Phoenix does not have the pieces around. Absolutely, Gerald. During this season, Phoenix and Chris Paul have been kind of preparing their young players for the playoffs. I'm just drinking for V Garcia out there. I'm drinking my victory chocolate milk as I try to do when I have it in stock. So cheers to everyone out there. But once again, he's just trying to make it half empty. Yes. Well, (laughs) hey, I was positive. You got to admit, after game one, I was the one that was half full and you were the one that was half empty. So let's not go there. Let's not go there. But Laker, Tom, I do want to go there with you when it concerns some of the things that we saw with the Lakers that need to be worked on. And that was the turnovers, a lot of turnovers. Was it 18 or 19 turnovers? 20. 20. 20 turnovers. That's way too many. LeBron had seven all by himself. Something the Lakers need to correct. That gets that team. In fact, that part of that run you were talking about with Cameron Payne, a lot of it was due to Anthony Davis and LeBron James turning the ball over at very poor opportunities. That's something they do, do need to work on. But we've talked about this before during the season where they have a propensity for the turnovers. I mean, it's it, for the Lakers, it seems to be their defense is the one rock-solid thing you can always lean on. The offense is the one thing that's not because you saw today that the three-point shot's still not there. Kyle Kuzma, God bless him, but it's still a, it's still an adventure for him. I mean, there was that one point where he had, he tried to tip the ball in from one foot and he missed it three times, and you could see how frustrated he's getting. So, Laker Tom, what are some of the things that they need to work on and focus on so they can do this back-to-back deal at the Staples Center? Well, I, you know, you have to be you have to be thrilled with how good the defense is when you take away Payne's last three three pointers, three of four for the three pointers in the, the last few minutes of the game. We really held them down to a very low shooting percentage, both from deep and from the field. Um, and it wasn't, you know, it it was good that we we sort of went away from double teaming Booker so that they were getting all of these wide open shots. So they, they didn't have as many open shot attempts as they did before. Um, we gave up some points in the paint. Um, that was especially tough for us. That's why Gasol ended up with the only negative plus minus on the team because basically he was he was in no man's land. He, he's not quick enough to get out there to, to challenge on the three-point line, and he's too slow getting back to try to stop a guard from scoring. And, and they got a lot of easy points, both from Aiton and so forth. It was good to see Davis just continue to be as aggressive, you know, as he was in the last game. That's two games in a row. And if he can pin together two more games like that, 
he will be the MVP of the first round for the Lakers. But defense is basically what we're doing well. Vogel is, is a genius at that. He makes the good adjustments. He's, uh, he's, played, uh, he's played his cards really well. I thought Drummond played well defensively. You didn't see Aiton really go crazy in the first half with uh, a lot of easy putbacks and so forth. And uh, the Lakers' defense held them to 40 points in the first half, which was really quite an accomplishment. And other than that, that nine-point spree that, uh, that uh, Cameron Payne had with the, the three straight threes, if you take that away, I mean, my God, it's one of the best defensive performances as a team that we have all year. Yeah. Um, I thought Caruso played excellent defense. KCP, when he was in there, had several excellent plays. I love their play on, on Booker. This yeah. is the best job I've ever seen done on Devin Booker in a game. They double teamed him at times, but not all the time. They didn't really have to sacrifice a, a yeah. lot of points underneath in order to do it. I'm, I'm going to say this, that they really they, – they showed him different looks. They not did not say, okay, you know, we're just going to put you man-to-man, or we're going to just hard double you. They mixed it up. Hard doubles, soft doubles. They switched. They played over head up. They showed everything on them, and it really showed today. I really am I'm just – so thrilled, Frank Vogel, the way he drew up the defense. You know, I know I don't, we're not always on Frank Vogel's side here, especially on the offensive offensive end, but my gosh, the defensive plan that they drew up against Booker, that worked to a T today. You can't do any better than that. No, I agree. Magic Man, you concur? I, you see you chat, you see you clapping right there. Yeah, 100% concur, Gerald. 100% agreed. Well, it's just amazing the defensive performance. But I want to ask you this, Sean, while I have you here, Schroeder, Dennis Schroeder, again, gutty performance today, chipped in with 20 points, really something that uh, like almost a double-double there as well. But I want to ask you this. I mean, his performance, I know that we've been on him because of his inconsistency and in wanting the $100 million in cash this summer because you can see that's what he's playing for. But at times when he plays like this, he gives the team so much of a different dynamic that – it doesn't have to be relied upon to let's just pound the ball to LeBron. Let's just give it to AD. When he floats in those layups and those drives, those sneaky drives, as I call them, that's really it really just helps out the Lakers so much for a team that struggles offensively. Yeah, absolutely, Gerald. Um, and you know, he does he does kind of give that offense a different look, you know, when when um I think what Tom was trying to relay of the issues with with uh, Andre and the offense, like he said, driving lanes need to open so that our our uh, drivers can operate in lanes with the path of least resistance. And I, I really think some people at Lakerholics kind of old blue what Tom was trying to say there. But essentially, that, that's what happened tonight. Schroeder, he saw open lanes. And like you said, Gerald, he doesn't need to take those 30-foot threes if, if he doesn't want to. He can put the ball on the floor and red carpet for an eight He had a wide-open three. He passed it up and took the solid 15-footer and made that. Absolutely, yeah. It was a great decision. Um, it, it's good to see him make those quick decisions, too. It, it, at times, he makes those crazy cross-court passes, and there's a turnover here and a turnover there. But, you know, he is who he is. He'll he'll be with his hardness leave. And uh, I've been enjoying him the past two games. He's really come around. 
But he has come around, and I'm really hoping for this continuance of his solid performances, getting 20 points from him, having that as an option right there with you with LeBron and AD really makes for a, a dynamic trio. Now, I don't want to call him the third man as yet because I know that, Tom, you and I were just like, who is the third guy? Who is going to be that third guy? Who is going to be that third guy? I don't want to say that yet, but if he keeps this performance up, I always said the defense was the third guy, but you never know. It could be Schroeder filling in at that third guy as well. It's either Schroeder or, or Andre at this point in time. You know, they're the two guys who are are contributing with big numbers, uh, whether it be rebounds in this particular case, as opposed to points. Yeah, I think you have to give Dennis a lot of credit. If you'll notice that when the when the score got down to eight in the fourth quarter, in the last three or four minutes there. LeBron gave the ball to Dennis, and Dennis made two straight drives to the basket to score points that that really kept the other team at bay. And the thing that you have to the thing that you have to appreciate, and I think you know, I see a lot of stuff on Twitter where people are saying that oh, Dennis is gone for sure because the Lakers aren't going to pay him that money, and he's he'll want that money. And and several people alluding that Dennis really doesn't want to be the third option on any team. He could be the second option on somebody like the Knicks. And I think that Dennis is really showing his value because you're talking about playing on a championship team, taking over as the starting point guard on a championship team after you came off from being the second in the sixth man of the year award. He's been scoring and he's been scoring at critical times and he's become, he's become absolutely essential when we don't have LeBron on the floor. And if we don't have LeBron in the lineup, we saw how essential he was earlier in the season. So Dennis is, uh, has made good progress in my mind toward possibly finding a spot on this team next year. And even Andrew Drummond possibly has, just depending on what he's willing to settle for. Is he going to be happy making you know the MLE $10 million and stay with the Lakers or go to another losing team for $15 million? Those are some big questions. But those are the two guys that I think have, have really made the most contribution. They're the two guys that you would expect to be one of them to be the third best scorer in the team. And it's interesting because they're playing two positions, point guard and center, that are extremely important in the league. Different people will obviously value point guards a lot more than centers, simply because this is a guards league and they have the ball in their hands and they can control things. But, uh, uh, I'm encouraged by how Dennis has played. I'm encouraged by how gritty he is. Uh, and most importantly, that we see in a game like this, even if it's just the first round, what the pressure is on some of the players when they have to take a shot. And Dennis is not afraid to do that. He's not afraid of the moment. He's not afraid of taking the shots at key points and times. And when you play on a team with LeBron James, you have to have guys who are willing to do that. Um, yeah, you do have to surround him with shooters in order to take advantage of his skill set, especially his great passing and, and playmaking. But at the same time, you also need guys who, when that ball is passed to them or LeBron uh, gives them the ball, that they're not afraid of the moment and are willing to take those big shots, make that big drive when he has to, uh, or play tough defense. So I think we're seeing a lot of good things from the Lakers. They sort of, we're sort of getting into a mode, I think, and I think it's going to go through the next two games where the Lakers have basically used the first round series as, 
as the series to get themselves together, to figure things out, to get that core that they didn't have because, because all four of the top guys haven't played together. You know, LeBron, AD and Dennis and, and Andre really haven't had many, many reps together as a, as teammates. So you put them together and it'll be interesting to see if KCP can't go, um, who's going to start in in his spot on uh, Sunday. I guess the next game is Sunday. No, it is Sunday. You're right. Okay. Because the guy on TNT said it was like day in, day out. But nope, it is Sunday. You're right. It is Sunday at 1230 Pacific time. That should have been the case because, you know, the Lakers are always prime time. You know, that, those, that's sort well, you know, that's they stated they, they, they didn't play the Clippers tonight. The Clippers play tomorrow night. Yes, that's correct. Which is yeah, good. The other so game fans can watch the Clipper game, you know, and we'll talk and we'll talk here in a second about that. But I want to cr- close out with this. Felix made something uh, and also Vincent were talking about as far as Kuzma is concerned. I know there are c- concerns about Kuzma and his continuing struggles from the, from the area. I know he hit that last second three and I'm hoping that, you know, that three will go ahead and transfer over that confidence in shooting it. But, Sean, I want to ask you this, uh, and then I'll also ask Tom, too. I know that there's people starting to talk about, uh, you know, like here in the chat board, that maybe we should play Macklemore a little bit more, or at all, actually, because he hasn't played. But the thing is, with Kuzma, and I can't believe I'm saying this from two years ago, because it's completely different than what it was two years ago. When Kuzma gives you nothing on offense, he's still giving you rebounds, assists, and defense, which is something McLemore can't give you. Yeah. So absolutely, Gerald. There's uh, there's just a level of versatility to Kyle's game that Ben doesn't have. Ben Ben can't do multiple things for to put us in positions to have successful possessions and sequences. And like you said, Kyle, even if Kyle's shot isn't falling over on the floor he's still rebounding he's still focused on primary defense he's still focused on being a, as good a help defender as he can be at times so he is trying to uh, affect the game as much as he can even if the shot isn't falling so that's a positive to see from Kyle as well um, he's not just seeing mention and wondering what is me this time around, but no, he, he seems very focused. And as far as getting more playing time, I mean, the uh, situation dependent, I'm sure that's possible, but um, I'm very happy with contributions we're getting from Wes Matthews. And, you know, Wes is the kind of guy that we're going to need if we do play a Mavs team or we play uh, Portland or we play Denver where he's going to have to lock an Austin River or a Dame or try to in a telephone booth. You need a defender like that. Yes, yeah. Alex Caruso and KCP are great cornfield defenders. They're great chase-down defenders. They can, they can hound you. But you also need a guy who can stand his ground and make you work. And, and, and again... There's the versatility to Wes Matthews' defense that Ben doesn't possess. I agree with you on that, and so does Felix. Felix has strong words for Wes Matthews. Come up solid again today and hit a clutch three to spread the game out right there when we need it from both Gasol and Matthews. That really just lengthened that lead and just made it look like it was going to be an easy time for the Lakers until they lost that focus. So 
hopefully they will find that focus. It's going to be chippy again on Sunday. It's going to be very testy like it was today because it was a really testy game. But Laker Tom, before we head to talk about the rest of the series and where they're at for the NBA playoffs, I want to hear your thoughts on with this game. You know, obviously the Lakers made a statement that they feel like they're the favorites and they're playing like the favorites. What are you worried about from Phoenix? I know you said it looks like the Lakers in five, but what are you worried about the Lakers possibly doing? Could it get a point where, again, you saw that lack of focus? Could that happen again in game four? I don't think so, Gerald. But listen, it, this is the NBA. And when you got guys like Booker and, and Cameron Payne and the shooters that they have, a team can a team can come out and, and shoot 60% from three and all of a sudden, you know, they can have an easy win. This could easily go to a six-game series. I think the Lakers are going to – I think the Lakers have shown today what the difference is, that their size cannot be stopped, and that the – and that basically they're able to win by going big. And even when they play small with AD at the five and LeBron at the four, that's, that's still a big, big lineup, you know, and it's a difficult lineup. It's actually – What's, what's actually been working on it is that lineup has been great defensively. And it's the one lineup that that shifts and, and can do the rotations that you don't get with Gasol because of his slowness or you don't get with uh, Drummond because of his sort of lack of sense of where he is on the floor. So I don't expect the Lakers to falter here. You know, I I would guess that Ad, Admiral Akbar's next trap game is the first game of the second round series. Because <laughs> yeah, it didn't work today. You know what? That's why he's probably not here tonight is the fact that he holding his head in shame because he thought the Lakers would fall into the trap today, but they didn't. Yep. It actually was the Suns that fell into the trap of the Lakers and they lost their composure. And this game should have been easily won by the Lakers by over 20 points. It was looking yep. that way until they lost their focus. Had they kept their focus, this should have been a 25 point win easy. The Lakers though, they get the victory 109 to 95 over the Phoenix Suns, a great performance by the Lakers, and we're looking forward to the game on Sunday. And we will be here Sunday, so make sure you're tuning in with us right here at the Lakers Fast Break. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. People are just losing their minds trying to consume Marvel products right now, and I don't blame them. This is some of the best entertainment you can get on TV and big screen right now. If something's going to be successful or not, they look at the mentions, they look at the likes, they look at the retweets and the tweets and the subtweets and the tweet tweets, and they look at all of that to say, okay, this is actually going to garner a lot of attention. Is it going to be enough, though? I think the fish out of water syndrome might be enough for somebody like us because it's going to be hilarious to watch two stoner kids we saw barely make it through high school now live in a society that they fully don't understand because they've been stuck in a decade and never came out of it. Facebook stars, not ninja stars, okay? I know how some people take things literally. So don't throw ninja stars at us, but like the Facebook stars, click on those. That's what we want. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. But before we head on out, guys, I want to go ahead and recap for everyone out there if they need an update on the NBA playoffs. Wanted to go ahead and make sure everybody knows, as Laker Tom mentioned, the Clippers, who are down 2 nothing, they're heading into Dallas on Friday. 
So, Tom, I want to hear your thoughts on do you expect the Luca train to continue? Because I'm not going to say I disagree with people right now saying that Luca has looked better than anyone in the playoffs. But my gosh, if he hasn't, it's pretty darn close because he is really, really looking good. The interesting thing about that series is the defense that the Clippers are not playing. <laughs> They're basically continuing to switch everything, and Luca's continuing to hunt down guys to go after. Primarily, you know, Zubac or or even Morris, you know, um, neither one of whom can can stay with Luca. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of coach Ty Lue is, because basically he alluded to the fact that he was going to try to get Kawhi to defend against uh, Luca. And Kawhi, if you watched the language of him and, and watched him, I, I went and watched that game because I was obviously watching the Lakers game and I couldn't watch two games at once. I wasn't going to shortchange the Lakers by having my laptop in front of me, watching one game, and watching the television, a different game, but it did not look like Kawhi wanted to take the challenge. It wasn't like LeBron asking to guard somebody or AD asking to guard somebody at the end of the game. Uh, you don't see Paul George and Kawhi Leonard do that very often. And the strategy that, that, uh, that Ty Lue feels is basically he wants switchability. He wants to be able to switch everything uh, just to simplify getting caught and, uh, and to prevent guys from getting too downhill on you. Um, and the net result of that is, is that you're allowing Luca to dominate the game and dictate exactly what kind of defense you're playing and who's going to guard him. And there's not a, you know, for a 22 year old point guard, who's 6'8", 240 pounds, and, you know, and smart as hell, that is not the recipe for beating them. So it'll be interesting to see what the Clippers can pull out of the bag and try to do. I mean, they had 41 points from from uh, Kawhi, and he was, you know, I think he was 8 of 13 from, from deep. Paul George was only 1 of 7 from deep. Um, and, and they both missed clutch shots at the end of the game that could have kept them in the game clutch threes that came up short or just didn't go in. So the Clippers future is on the line tomorrow night. Absolutely. Oh, it is. is it ever. Uh, I'm excited to see what goes on with that game. Magic man. The game just ended right now to the game just now in Portland just ended with Denver taking that third game. I still think this is going to go long. This series has the earmarkings of a six or seven game series. Tom says no. I think six. it's going – you're thinking going six? Okay. I, it still looks like to me that this series is going to go long. But your thoughts, Denver pulls off the victory tonight. They, if they, they were actually leading most of the way, so they did win 120-115. to 115. Portland came back, tied the game at, at certain points, took a lead at certain points. But mostly this was a game for Denver. I want to hear your thoughts on this series. I, it just looks like more and more – I mean, Tom says six. I'm thinking it's still going to go seven. No, Gerald, I believe I picked the, the series to go six. I think you're right. I think it will go seven. Um, it's very interesting. Tonight was in Dane time. It's actually Austin reverse time. Mello hit a three to tie the game at 91, and then uh, Austin reverse I go crazy. He scored 16 points in the fourth quarter, led by for the Nuggets, and, I mean, Nikola Jokic still had a great game. He had 36 points. But um, he's basically forced 
to the perimeter in this one. Shots forced him to make some shots from the outside, and the Joker did. Um, I believe, Gerald, that this is probably going to go seven games. I actually feel really blessed as an NBA fan right now because to me, two guys that have really matured are the guys who were traded for one another, Trey Young and Luka Doncic. Trey has evolved from a physical standpoint, as we can all see. The game has slowed down for him a little bit. He's not willing to take those 35 to 36 attempts. He's willing to drive into the lane and and try and and uh, get his floater going, or or try and get uh, to the line. Uh, Luca, it's more mental. He's not arguing with the Clippers. He's really not arguing the refs anymore. He's driving the lane and letting the refs make the call. After a while, you just have to do that as a young player. Kobe had to learn that. Michael had to learn that. Magic had to learn that. Bird had to learn that. They all usually yacked as young players. The more mature they got, the slower the game got for them mentally. They just stopped arguing with the refs and just started playing the game. So it's good to see those two men show some maturity. And the playoffs have been very exciting so far. I'm really interested to see the action tomorrow night. We're going to see a, a Clippers team. I think that's best. So I think Luka's going to get their best punch. And we're also going to see whether or not our arch net enemy has any guts and is willing to show up for a game well it's, it's so funny because v garcia already mentioned he's going to send over the screenshot that someone hacked the wikipedia page and it has luca as the clippers owner and his two sons <laughs> Kawhi and george who play for the team as well that's that's hilarious that is absolutely hilarious. thank you v for showing that oh that's so funny same uh, old also, clippers yeah same old clippers uh, new owner said, new coach new players same old clippers Yep, same old Clippers indeed. V Garcia is bringing it tonight, but appreciate everyone in the chat room. Vincent, Felix, everybody who said comments, thank you so much for the thumbs up as always. This is the Lakers Fast Break. Let's go ahead and finish out the Western Conference. Utah and Memphis is tied going to Memphis, but to me, I think the momentum has finally shifted towards the sides of Utah after a impressive 141 to 129 victory, even in, even with, John Morant getting his playoff high and having an incredible game literally by himself, keeping the team as best he could within the confines of the game. But Laker Tom, I have a feeling that this party is going to end, I think, unless Memphis can split one in Memphis. And I can't believe I'm saying that, but, you know, Utah, now that has Donovan Mitchell back, maybe everything has smoothed over. I'm not so sure because we talked about that the other day about how he was held out. was livid about that. But he came back strong, looked very healthy to me. That's all I'll say. I thought Mitchell looked very good. His shot seemed to be hitting well. Part of me says that the series is over just because it's, you know, they stole that game in Utah, the first game without Mitchell, and and now they're going back home. But the other side of me has always been impressed all year long with actually I've been impressed all off season, even the 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 front office of the Grizzlies has done a terrific job 
And the moves that they've made and the team that they've put together, I think is underappreciated and, and underestimated. So, you know, I, I still think that they can win one of those two games in Memphis and go back two to two. And, and then that makes game five the determiner of that series. And ideally, it's it's hard to imagine that Utah can not win that series just because they're, there's so much more talent that they have. Um, and the they have veteran experience, so they have continuity that very few teams have, especially in, in this COVID-influenced year. But uh, I wouldn't count the Grizzlies out. I still think that there's a chance that they could come back and make some noise. Well, I wouldn't count them totally either. We'll see what happens in Memphis. They do have to take at least one of those two games. Otherwise, yeah. it will be over. Could be worse. You could be in Miami right now. but No, you could be 0-2. Sean. You yeah. could be 0-2. Or 03, 0-3, like it is in right. Miami. Go ahead, Sean, before we uh, head over to the Eastern Conference. Oh, actually, Gerald, because I, wa- I wanted to talk about the NBA's biggest disappointment this year. But please go ahead. Let's go to the East. Okay, because at the very end, I do want to touch on the crowd and issues with it, with as far as the crowd and the way they're reacting. But we won't touch on that until the very end because there's some. Some things I'm concerned about in seeing some trends, not only in one, two, but three games that have been uh, played this week. Uh, very disappointing as far as, especially with the fans all coming back to the arenas. And what I was very fearful tonight at the end of the Lakers game that the Lakers fans would do and follow suit, especially after what we've seen the past couple of days. But again, we're going to touch on that a little bit, but let's hit to the Eastern Conference, Sean. We're going to start off with the series that I believe is over. And Miami, coming off that season where they were competitive with the Lakers in the finals before the Lakers pulled away in six games, you know, you thought that there was going to be a bright future. The mastermind, Pat Riley, had orchestrated this team. Not only did he not make any real changes that was going to, you think, on the surface, hurt the team, you thought they added a little bit here and there, but Victor Oladipo, that didn't work out, unfortunately. And... It just seems like Jimmy Butler is, he just doesn't look healthy. People talk about LeBron, people talk about AD, people talk about Chris Paul not looking healthy. After a three to nothing series lead with another huge win in Miami for Milwaukee, I think people need to start throwing some question marks at what's going on in South Beach. Absolutely, Gerald. Um, I thought uh, a couple of guys on that team would. turn a corner this year, even with the, the extended uh, bubble stay and the finals appearance. But Tyler Hero has to be the NBA's biggest disappointment this year. Tyler Zero. Um, <laughs> yeah, Tyler Zero. They should have included him in that trade. There were a lot of rumors in the summertime, Gerald, that, look, Hero is a pretty good player. He's got a nice shot. He's got a little bit of a dribble to him, but he's not he's not Devin Booker in the making. That's what I heard anyway, and I didn't see it. I thought maybe he could have a um, a dual be a dual threat, be a shooter, and be a pick and roll ball handler or facilitator. It seems like he's bought into his ID uh, celebrity status, and he's comfortable being the man on South Beach on IG and this. It just seems that for some reason the heat culture this year, it's not working, especially for the younger guys. 
I mean, for goodness sakes, Duncan Robinson isn't the three-point shooter you was last year. Duncan Robinson averages around 10 shots a game. He averages 8.5 three-point attempts, ladies and gentlemen. He is paid the three-point shooter, and he's not. And he is disappointed this year. And both these guys last summer were looking for 20 million each. If they keep playing like they'll be lucky to get twenty million combined. Um, as far as the Bucks are concerned, Gerald, this looks like a completely different team. And I think perhaps Gerald, maybe the Nets are the team that are walking into the buzzsaw in the semifinals because they present a, a huge challenge. Um, they're a different playoff team. P.J. Tucker is a really good player for them. Drew Holiday is a really good player for them now. And as we've seen in the regular season, Bud Laughs is a different animal. And I think actually Bud has a squad that can beat the Nets. They just play with an edge that they haven't played with before. I haven't seen them play with this kind of edge before. So if, if they can bring that intensity to that second round, if I was the Nets, I'd be very concerned. Well, V. Garcia said there's a reason they said all year last year that the bubble was literally made for shooters. That's why guys like Hero and Duncan Shine, Reality Hit, and Mickey Mouse's gym wasn't there to save them. <laughs> Something's going on in there. <laughs> Something's amiss. And, yeah, it's gone to their heads, you know, and see what happened. Uh, as far as that, you know, with Miami just one game away from being eliminated and sending home for the summer, they look like they quit. They look like they quit today, and it was very easy to see that. And it looks like they're already headed out for the season. And that's a shame for a Pat Riley team. But you know what? It is what it is. I thought they, I was expecting a whole lot more from them at Miami. I was expecting to see them go ahead and make some gains. But due to some timely injuries and due to some lackadaisical play and just a lack of focus by that team, it looks like their season is all but assured done here in the next couple games, if not the next game in Miami. Next up, we have New York and Atlanta. What a surprise. It's tied 1-1. Actually, it's not too surprising, I should say, because of the fact that this looks like it's going to be a barn burner and just basically just a, a rough and tumble series. Laker, Tom, your thoughts? I mean, you are seeing Julius Randle getting hounded on defense and basically just trying to do what he can to carry the team on his back. And on the other, you're seeing a much more poised Trey Young, who I think they are not trying to pick on defense on him as much as I think they should, because Trey Young as a defender is still very much suspect. But on the offensive end, but on the offensive end, he's really, really doing a number on the Knicks. I think of all of the series that we're looking at in the first round, that's probably going to be the most competitive series. I know that a lot of people think the the uh, Blazers can hold their own with the Nuggets, but I think that that series is going to go heavily in the Nuggets' favor. Um, I, I, I still think the the Knicks the Knicks still have a good chance to win that series. I think it's the one series I felt confident was going to go seven games. I haven't seen anything to change my mind, and it's it's one of those series where each team wins, and then the other next game up, the other team adjusts and comes back and wins and. I think we're going to see that type of roller coaster back and forth series all the way up to game seven and Madison square garden filled with fans is a home court advantage. 
We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the world champion, Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. And we'll talk about that home court advantage in a disappointing way here in just a second. But before we do, Sean, Philadelphia and Washington, Philadelphia. Well, actually, no, there's two game, two series left. I'm sorry, because the other one's all put done as well. But I'll let Tom take care of our good friends in Boston. But Philadelphia and Washington, that is Philadelphia leading that series two games to nothing. After what happened there, a definitive victory. It looks like this series is over as well. Yeah, it looks over, Gerald. I was, uh, I would have liked to give uh, the Wizards a game, but based on uh, Beal's health and his uh, hamstring issues, and I'm sure Russ is dealing with something that could be so hard. His ankle. His ankle. He hurt his ankle yesterday. Exactly. His ankle. So it's it's usually always something with Russ, but he plays hard, and and that's how it goes. Um, It's all but over. There's there's really no answer for Embiid down low. I mean, Daniel Gafford is, is lambs to the slaughter, basically, asking him to go down there. So I'm glad Scott Brooks has taken some mercy on that young man and as bringing doubles as much as he can to try and help him out. But, I mean, it's still not working. Joel's probably the most, I would say, in the playoffs right now, given the health the most dangerous X factor in the NBA playoff. Um, if he's going full bore, Brahma Bull, Joel Embiid, I don't think there's anything stopping Philly in the playoffs. However, we're just going to have to wait and see because th- th- there's a test coming up for them in the second round. I'm not sure if it's going to be Atlanta or New York, but that's. That's not a, a gimme series for them. They're going to have to work to win that series. Yeah, they're going to have to work a lot. Tom, last but not least, is our friends in Boston. The Celtics look like they're on death's door. They're also down quite an extensive bit because after blowout after blowout, Brooklyn needs 2 nothing, and it does not look – after that first game in the second half – once that started and kicked in, Brooklyn looks like it's been just blowing the doors off them. And it just looks like there's going to be nothing that Boston can throw at them, especially with Jalen Brown out of the mix that they can do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really tough when you lose one of your two superstars and, or, or semi-superstars. The Celtics are done. You know what's kind of ironic? The two teams that are looking like they're going to get swept out are the two Eastern Conference finalists from last year the Miami Heat, and the Boston Celtics. The bubble is not the same as this regular season is, and this regular season is not the same as any of the other regular seasons that we've seen in the past. They're both situations that involve unprecedented demands on the team, but the short off season, the compressed schedule, the COVID 
health and safety measures all over the place, and then the injuries. So it's it's been a complete turnaround where the East's top two teams from last year are basically both in danger of getting swept. It's going to be, you know, in fact, I think that you, you could argue that the the path that the Lakers have, especially if the Clippers self-destruct again, could be similar to what path that they had last year. And they have managed to find, if they can find themselves and, and if AD and LeBron can shoot as well as they did in these playoffs as they did in last year's playoffs, the Lakers are going to be very tough to beat. Um, and when you look at when you look at Philadelphia, for example, and and you look at the teams in the East, that I guess Brooklyn is going to going to play the Bucks next. Is that what the brackets show? Yes, that's correct. Brooklyn that's and the Bucks be one are... hell of a series because yes. we'll find out for sure. Then, because you got a team that's got an outstanding defense in in Milwaukee, and uh, that's that's the hope that if you if you can have a defense that can slow down some of the high powered offensive firepower that the Nets have that you could have a chance to beat them. And uh, the their weakness, obviously, is the inside and the strength of the Bucs, uh, I think, is the inside. Giannis has been playing terrific. Lopez has been playing extremely well. They seem to have a good feel for playing, for making up for the lack of shooting and the lack of being able to get Giannis free in the end of the games. And so they have, they're likely to make the same mistakes, I think. They've got two years of having gone through tough playoffs. And I think they figured out now how they're going to win. The only question is, do they have enough firepower to keep up with the Nets when they meet them? And Dan, can they handle, uh, if they get by the Nets, can they handle uh, Embiid when they get into the East Coast Eastern Finals? So it's going to be a terrific set of playoffs coming up. Um, we're seeing fans, the Lakers had only 7,500 fans. Uh, some of the teams are filling the arena with 20,000 fans. So fans in the stands are becoming a factor. And I think that tonight's game, too, with the Lakers, it, I think the Lakers got some home court advantage. The crowd was cheering for them. They were they were excited about playing at, at Staples for the first time since 2013. And the team played, We I think, for the second game in a row, we got the 50-50 balls again. Over and over, I saw our guys diving and grabbing balls and getting loose long rebounds and so forth. Those are the types of things that make the difference, and those are the types of things that very often are the results of the crowd being motivated, motivating the players. Piped-in noise doesn't do it. You know, no. piped-in noise in, a, in an arena that's completely empty of fans is a whole different situation. So we, we've got sort of a hybrid situation now where the fans aren't exactly even among the various NBA teams and, and how that plays off as we get deeper into the playoffs, hopefully it'll equalize and everybody will be able to, to sell out the arena completely. And, and we'll see full arenas by the time we get to the conference finals and the NBA finals. Well, let's hope for that. That'll mean that we're on a good way. That'll mean that we're in a good way as far as our vaccinations yeah. is our concern. I'll mean that we're on a good way as far as health and the, number of people getting sick and the number of people dying will hopefully be at a minimum by that point in time. So looking forward to that. And if that's the case, then the Staples Center will be opened up to a larger capacity crowd that will definitely help the Lakers on the road to the playoffs, especially we saw a little taste of it today with a chance like V Garcia of Kobe, Kobe, Kobe at the very end, as everybody heard. So 
just really uh, looking forward to that. But speaking of the crowds, before we head on out, just want to go ahead and mention if you have a, anything for Tom at Laker Tom on Twitter, also as well, Lakers Fast Break at Yahoo.com at Lakers Fast Break on Twitter. You want to go ahead and comment on what we're doing here for the show or anything else on the great articles that Magic Man, Laker Tom, and also as well, Admiral Akbar, the guy who set out the trap that failed today, Jamie Sweet. You want to check out what they're doing, please check out Lakerholics.com. But before we head on out, one hit something very troubling to me, and that is with the return of these crowds, is some really unruly action and some things I've seen over the past day, two days. And it's just really very concerning to me. And I was very concerned as well that the Laker fans as well would show a lack of class as Booker was leaving the arena and also Jay Crowder as well. I was, I was almost expecting it. And that's where we're at right now. I was very disappointed at what I've seen from NBA fans because not one, not twice, but three times already we've seen incidents with fans going to first start off off the most probably visible was the throwing of popcorn at Russell Westbrook by Philadelphia fans. I know we've heard the things said before about Philadelphia fans, but throwing popcorn at someone who just got hurt, I think that was showed a lack of class there. That individual was tossed, and I think his tickets were revoked. Uh, that was a very shameful thing. Uh, we also saw with John Morant's parents trying to watch the game in Utah, not once, not twice, but three individuals there shouted racial or sexual insults at the family, at John Morant's mother and also John Morant's father, and they were all escorted out of the game. And then the third incident in New York after the game, Trey Young was spit on by a New York fan. And Actually, again, they didn't hit Trey Young; they hit they hit the Knicks players. <laughs> yeah, and then and the, but it was meant for Trey Young, and and uh, just yes, to see that, I understand New York Knicks fans have that issue as well as far as that reputation is concerned. But I think we need to grow beyond this. I think we need to be a little bit more level headed. And also the thing that disturbs me most is the Utah one because the fact that there were children that were identified in the articles that were present and nearby during this as these uh, racial and sexual uh, things were said to John Morant's family. And just the lack of class in order to do that is it's deplorable. It's, it's, it's just truly tragic. But guys, before we head on out, I'm going to start with you, Magic Man. When you hear or read things like this, I understand we all love to go, hey, hey, rub it in your face, ha, 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 like I do. You know, I go over the top sometimes, but I never go beyond that line. I never go there to a dark place like that. That's just wrong. No matter how much we wanted to go ahead and rub it in on Jay Crowder and Devin Booker, we just wouldn't go that far. Uh, absolutely not, Gerald. I thought uh, Kevin Herter of the uh, the Hawks well today when he said, you know, I'm, I'm seven. I played in New York in Rutgers Park against some of the toughest competition that uh, the city and the country has to offer. But let me tell you something. If somebody said something to me or threw popcorn at me and there were no security barriers and there were no security guards, he said, you guys, you fans wouldn't have the guts to to say anything to us, to throw anything at us. And he's absolutely a Gerald. And I'm with you. 
Um, we've reached a level in society now where just basic, we have to just expect basic form people, and that's not asking a lot. It's not asking a lot for somebody to keep them their hands to themselves. Eat your popcorn. If you don't want to eat your popcorn, throw it in the garbage. But as soon as you decide to throw something at someone, you're opening yourself up to a huge can of worms. And, Gerald, I agree with you. I think I'm worried that there's going to be an end precipitated by all this that completely and then everybody's hurt by that. Well, we've seen it before, my friend, the malice in the palace. The malice in the palace is the best example or the worst example of how far it can go. And I'm afraid it could get to that point as well, especially in the environment that we're in right now with all the tensions that that have been created, all the anger that's come to fruition. And it's just it's really we're we're at a point like V. Garcia saying that they think people that can get brave and that they're knowing that there'll be no retaliation and. You know, whether you're a keyboard warrior shouting insults on your computer or if you're out there saying what you think you can say, anything, there is a line you cross. And if you cross it, you're going to have to expect something being done. And V. Garcia wanted to clear it up. The 76ers fan was a season ticket holder, but he was banned for life. And the Trey Young incident, that fan was a season ticket holder and was banned for life. So I wanted to clarify that. They were, at least that's the idea. That's banned for life. I appreciate them doing that. That's it's good that they responded so quickly. But Laker Tom, truly disappointing that we're starting to see this as crowds. Crowds should be ecstatic that they're getting back to somewhat a semblance of life, that they're getting back into the arenas. They should be happy about that. And obviously, the tensions of the playoffs are a little bit more, but there's no need to go to the places that they're going. Well, you know, it's in many ways, the NBA fans are a microcosm of our society. And what has to happen in these situations, in my opinion, is, and hopefully this is what happens in Lakers crowds, is that the people that are doing these things cannot be allowed to behave like that. And the other fans have to intercede and say, that's enough. You don't do that. It's no different than good cops getting in the way of bad cops doing bad things or politicians supporting things for the right reasons rather than for the wrong reasons. We're, as a society, and a lot of it is has been exacerbated by the coronavirus pandemic, but we have to get back to a, a point of civility. We've lost that in politics. Now we're starting to lose it with respect to fans. And it's up to the, all of the fans in the stadium, you know? Celtics fans, for example, you know, if, if, if the Celtics fan in the crowd starts to yell something that's a racial epithet, then other Celtics fans should intercede and make sure that that person knows that that's not an acceptable type of behavior. Same thing with throwing popcorn or throwing your drinks on players and things of that nature. It's just like bullying. You just cannot stand by. If you are not part of the solution, then you are part of the problem. Well said, Laker Tom. As V. Garcia said, preach, Laker Tom. You preach it. Get on that soapbox. I couldn't agree more with what you said on that, and I do appreciate you taking the time to say it because it couldn't be better said than that. But everyone out there, we truly appreciate you watching and you listening. Once again, the Lakers come out on top in Game 3 of the first-round series against the Phoenix Suns, 109-95, to taking a 2-1 to game lead. 
and B Garcia as preach. He's still saying preach, Laker Tom. <laughs> preach it out, my friend. Thanks, We're all happy. We will be back on Sunday. That's right. It's going to be a Sunday 1230 game, prime time in ABC on Sundays for the weekend. That's our best viewing time. So you want to check that out. It is going to be Sunday at 1230. Once again, we'll be back after the game to talk about what went on, what went right, what went wrong. But hopefully it will not be a trap that Jamie Sweet sets out. Hopefully be at a three to one series lead. And we're looking forward to talking about that on Sunday. And we wish everybody a happy, happy Memorial Day weekend as well. But we will be back on Sunday once again, right here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.